we will verify certain points of information for an operator and not check back on that for another 12 months. So it allows them when they're in front of a seller to consistently say yes to projects. Welcome to the House Flipping HQ podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of houses a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Bill Allen, and I'm really excited about today's uh, recording. So we've never really done this before, but I want to start bringing on some of the kind of partners and different people that I work with in my company and see how we can deliver some value to you guys in your business and kind of pull back the curtain on some of the things that we do, whether it be kind of direct mail or uh, cold calling experts or, uh, in this case, hard money lenders. So um, we've never really brought somebody in who is specializing specializing in these areas. And um, Ray and I know each other from, um, we, we've kind of met through the mastermind group. He has uh, done some loans for me and just has been an incredible resource to our community and our group. Attended Flip Hacking Live last year and I know we've been talking about Flip Hacking Live a lot. So I reached out to him and I said, hey, w- would you be open to coming on the podcast and just kind of telling people like removing the curtain behind hard money. And we just dig in to ask a bunch of questions about hard money lenders, what they do, like, uh, you know, what we can expect and stuff like that. So um, this is Ray Williamson. He's, he works with uh, Lending Home and I've done a ton of loans with Lending Home and they, they are a great partner for our seven figure mastermind group and our eight figure group and uh, do a lot of loans with our members right now. And they've been phenomenal to work with. So um, Ray, I want to say thank you for coming on. I know you're a busy guy and taking an hour out to talk with me and kind of just share everything with our listeners is just incredible. So thank you and welcome. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here and uh, want to answer any questions that you have or you have for uh, on behalf of your, uh, your, your, your team there. Awesome. So, hey, before we get started, can you just tell everybody a little bit about kind of your background, what you do at Lending Home and kind of how you got into this space of uh, kind of hard money lending? Yeah, uh, good question. So, uh, I mean, I've been in the mortgage business since 1989, uh, so I've held uh, a lot of different uh, positions, whether it's through operations, sales, executive positions, et cetera. Uh, almost five years ago, I joined Lending Home as their vice president of operations. So we were very small back then. I would think I was employee number 52. We have probably over 325 employees now. So I helped over the first three years build out the operational infrastructure that was needed for growth. Um, then about two years ago, I transitioned into my current role, uh, which is the director of strategic accounts. And it's just a cool title to say that I w- tend to work with more of our experienced operators throughout the U.S. So folks that are more consistently uh, flipping homes as opposed to considering getting in or maybe they've been buying and holding and they've been wholesaling and just haven't pulled the trigger on full-blown retail flips. Uh, So that's been my target is to grow that market for the company. Um, I think the resource that I've been able to be for a lot of our borrowers is having that operational background, um, both outside of lending home and inside of lending home, allows me to kind of cut to the chase on a lot of issues that might be... um, on, on, on live scenarios, I'll be able to at least tell them very bluntly and directly uh, how we can resolve the issue if we can. 
um, as opposed to telling somebody that I'll check, checking back in hours or days, et cetera, and maybe not necessarily being able to candidly address their issue. I think that 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 depth of background has enabled me to, I, I think, better direct our borrowers successfully within the platform. Awesome. So can, why don't you tell us a little bit about Lending Home too? Like what, um, what's, you, you talked about the size of that organization, but um, the kind of loans that you guys do and uh, like maybe some locations and, and what it's like. Is it just hard money? Is it just fix and flip type products and things like that? Yeah, so I, I, I don't run away from the term hard money. Um, it's the umbrella that we're just under. Um, and I'll get to what that may or may not mean to certain people, but Lending Home started back in May or June of 2013, uh, started funding our first loans in the beginning of 2014. Uh, so we've grown very, very fast and very large. Uh, we're, the, we're, the, we're the largest fix and flip lender in the U.S. by volume, uh, both volume funded and units funded. Uh, as of today, we're basically exclusively a fix and flip lender. So we provide money to folks that are going to flip a property, both for acquisition uh, financing and, and rehab financing. Um, we will, in the next three months, be rolling out a longer term rental program. So that will complement the exit strategies that a lot of our borrowers have, which is buy rehab and sell or buy rehab and hold. So we have not been an outlet for that. Uh, until uh, this coming December. Uh, so it'll be interesting uh, and pretty exciting to see uh, the growth of that. Um, I think the changes that we underwent as a company from a being a fix and flip lender, we went through about three years ago where we were a very much a let's keep it simple and let's keep it same for everybody. And then we, we, we didn't quickly, but we identified that we needed to change that philosophy that more experienced borrowers need need resources that are faster, consistent, uh, reliable, uh, and a cost that is competitive. Uh, and so what we did was we developed more of a, I'll call it a capacity line of credit or a guidance line type of capacity where we will verify certain points of information for an operator and not check back on that for another 12 months. So it allows them when they're in front of a seller to consistently say yes to projects, uh, as opposed to having to take something down and go, I have to, do I have to double check or recheck or do I have to have something else about my entity re-verified, you know, kind of during a live loan, uh, we don't do that. So we give the confidence that a borrower uh, at a certain experience level can go out and say yes, knowing that at least we can be a source of financing for them. Certainly there are other sources like yourself that you've been able to arrange, whether they're private, bank-related, institutional, uh, et cetera. Um, but we felt that that consistency needed to be there, the capacity needed to be there, meaning the ability to say yes as deals came across and then being significantly competitive from a cost standpoint. I think the other benefit that we provide is that we are online. So we're, our borrowers are able to go online at their convenience. So if they're working another job, or even if this is their primary job, you're typically overseeing projects, you're meeting with sellers, you're meeting with your staff, right? If you're growing and scaling. And sometimes you don't have the ability to check on your pipeline from eight to five. You have to check on it just before, just after hours. And if you can't reach somebody live at those times, then you don't want to be hamstrung. So we've created an online portal that allows both live loans to be uploaded so that you can actually consistently get funding that way. You also can check online for your status. 
So if a loan should be in processing or underwriting and clo or closing, you can see if it is. If it is, you're good to go and you can probably go on to your next task. If it's not, then you can easily either electronically uh, ping your, uh, your contact or call them directly to say, hey, what's going on here? And then that person or myself can advocate on your behalf on that particular transaction. Um, so I think that's, that's what's enabled us, I think, to, to grow to the scale that we're at. Um, we do about $130 million a month just in fix and flip business. About half of that is done on the East Coast. So because of that, we have an operational team in Pittsburgh of about 100 people. And that enables us to basically be on our borrower's time as opposed to since our corporate office is in San Francisco, we're not waking up at 9 a.m. when people are uh, uh, having lunch on the East Coast. We are, we are on our borrower's time frame um, all the time. Okay, so 135 million a month? Yeah. That's amazing. So over a billion dollars per year, almost a billion and a half. Yeah, we did about just north of a billion three last year. We'll probably do just north of a billion five this year. Wow. Okay. So if you hear that, this is not just somebody who does five or 10 hard money loans per year or uh, you know, a small operation. This is a big operation, obviously. 300 people, 100 people on the East Coast, East Coast and West Coast. Um, the one thing that you mentioned was the online portal. And that's one thing that I love. We can upload all of our documents, our scope of work. We can actually request our loan online, all of those things. So we can dig into that in a little bit. I think what I'd like to do is uh, back up a little bit. So there's kind of the intro of who Ray is, what uh, Lending Home is as, a, as an organization. So primarily fix and flip loans, going into some of the longer term stuff for buy and holds and uh, just kind of want to remove the curtain from this, uh, just understanding what it is. So there's some people that listen to the podcast that are just getting into real estate, just getting going. So we've got lots of different ways to fund your deal. So what we're talking about here is how to finance your property if you're going to buy it to fix and flip. So it, when you buy, you're, you're likely, typically what we're doing right now is we're going into direct to seller marketing, which you guys hear a lot on the podcast that we talk about different strategies because what's out there on the retail side, on the MLS and things like that just aren't hitting the numbers that we need as flippers anymore. So we're typically going directly to sellers. We're working with wholesalers. We're trying to find off-market properties. So when you're in that home, what Ray talked about was having this kind of like pre-approval process that you went through to say, feel confident that you can make that offer and actually execute on it if your numbers are right and you're experienced. And so a hard money lender gives you the opportunity to, to buy that house at a certain uh, at loan to cost, at a certain loan to value, and at a certain uh, amount of funding up front and rehab cost funding to be able to buy that house and not have to come out of pocket in full. So you can either pay cash with your own cash. You can raise, raise capital from private investors to fund your deals, uh, which is typically called private money loans and private money lenders. And we've talked about that at our events on the podcast before, how to raise money from you know friends, family, IRAs, 401ks, those kind of things. And this is just another option, another kind of tool in your tool belt to be able to buy these houses and get draws on the rehab costs. So um, typically called hard money lenders, right? So they, they will, you'll run a deal through their system. They'll look at it. They'll analyze it. They'll determine whether you're the borrower, they'll kind of underwrite you and then they'll underwrite the deal and, to determine that. So uh, what I, what I'd like to do now is just assuming that everybody knows plenty about private money and, um, and their own cash, obviously, or using their IRAs and 401ks. So working with a hard money lender, like who can work with you guys specifically? Can anybody work with you? Do they have to have a certain experience level? What does that look like? All good questions and, and really good comments. So as I was turning away, I was actually jotting some notes that I wanted to make sure to get to um, in, in my response. So 
Uh, the answer, the easy answer is yes, anybody can work with Lending Helm. And what I mean by that is regardless of experience. So somebody that just says, you know what, I'm jumping in, I want to do my first deal, you know, can Lending Home, you know, provide financing for that? And the answer is yes. Um, to the person who's doing 100 deals or more a year, you know, can Lending Home provide value to that person and funding for that person? And the answer is yes. So the, the, the hard money thing that I will get to is, you know, we don't review, because we're an equity-based lender and an experience-based lender, we do not review tax returns, 1040s, W-2s, corporate returns, pro formas, financials at all. Uh, really, there's, I had somebody, I think it may have been in your group that said, Ray, what are the hoops I got to go through? And I love that phrase because it's like right to the point, right? So we have three hoops uh, to give him full credit without naming him um, of what we have to go through. And that is what's your experience level over the last 24 months. Uh, and the reason it's 24 months is because we provide fix and flip financing. We want to make sure that people are actively doing that or what their activity level has been in the shortest period of time. So we define that period of time as 24 months. Um, the second one is what is a, what is the person's FICO score? And so we do have a FICO requirement. Some, some, um, most lenders do, not all, um, some private companies, most private lenders do not, right? That's more of an, uh, I think, a relationship play and probably more of a, an equity play, uh, value in the property, et cetera. And then for most of our borrowers, depending upon their experience level, there's a reserve requirement. Um, and it's just a simple check of what amount of money may have been in the, either the business account or the business and the personal account um, uh, last month, like in the most recent statement. And that's it. We certainly will review if we're funding for an entity, the, uh, the operating agreement or the bylaws for the company to make sure that the person that we're speaking with can actually bind the company, right, from, from taking out a loan. Um, but outside of that, um, those are like the three hoops and then the other documents that we, we, we tend to run into. So of that 130 to 135 million dollars, I would say roughly probably 75, almost 80% of that are with folks that I would consider to be experienced operators, right? They're probably doing two or three minimum, two or three projects a year. Um, and there they qualify for what you had mentioned, almost like that line of credit type of underwrite where um, we're vetting their experience and their FICO and their reserves once. And then for the next 12 months, they're just out there picking up properties, financing them, et cetera. So the reason we built it that way was the issues we were running into experienced operators were I, I, it takes too long for you to re-verify things and I didn't change my entity structure. Um, my FICA will always fluctuate. So whether it's just above or just below, can't you take a snapshot of time? The answer was yes. Um, so what Lending Home tends to do from a, an analytical standpoint is we really look at what data tends to generate the best default um, I guess the, 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 the best, we're, we're looking to make sure that, you know, what is going to drive defaults from borrowers, right? And the three elements that we've come up with is experience, FICO, and reserves. Those are the only three. Um, level of income, getting into debt to income ratio is not. So 
that's why we only have those three hoops um, currently. And we put more emphasis on experience. And what I mean by that is as somebody's experience grows, meaning they've flipped four or five or six properties in that 24 month period of time, we will give them increased leverage or for listeners that are wondering what that means, it's like a lower down payment, right? And then as the experience grows even more, maybe they've done 10 or 12 or 15 plus over that 24 month period of time, the leverage probably caps out at 90%. It might go higher here uh, shortly, um, but the cost to lend or the cost that they would have to pay for us goes down. So it's, it's one of those things where if you were a borrower and you were thinking, man, I'm gonna lend money, what requirements would you have? And if somebody had more experience, you would feel more comfortable, there's less risk uh, in giving them less down payment and you would feel more comfortable and you'd almost be forced to uh, provide a lower interest rate for them. And we do the exact same thing. So folks that have lesser experience require a little bit more down payment, higher cost, folks with more experience, lower interest rate, lower cost, and, and higher leverage. And the numbers, it, it's amazing to see it. Uh, our, we have basically three buckets of borrowers relative to tier, less than four flips done in the last 24 months, uh, between four and nine, and then 10 plus. The 10 plus flips are negligible on, on defaults. I mean, they, they take the loan, they pay it, they lather, rinse, repeat. It is pretty amazing. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the reason why I think we've been more successful in the more experienced operator bucket is because of the speed, funding capacity, and cost of funds, uh, and less disruption from an administrative standpoint that we've been able to provide our, our operators. Okay. So the, the best part that I hear, and I've, look, I've, I've interviewed a lot of different hard money lenders. I've brought them into the group, let them speak at some of the mastermind meetings and try to come up with something that works. And w what I always hear is, yeah, we want to work with you guys because you do high volume. So it's easy. Like you said, the default rate is really low. It's easy. Um, we can come up with something that works really well, but they don't typically fund brand new flippers. Like most of the companies that I talk to, there are some that will, but you guys are, when I hear somebody who's like, Hey, I need, and my first, my, I'm doing my first deal. Does anybody have a hard money lender that they can recommend? I always send right. it to you guys because, and, and frankly, I pretty much, we send a lot of people to you guys, but I want, because I know that you guys are going to have a conversation with them and I can very easily say to them, you, you are likely to get funded. Your rates will likely be higher and you might have to bring more money to the table. That's really the answer. And then when you do higher volume, you can start bringing those rates down and you can start leveraging more, just like you said. So, yeah. and it sounds like the, your tiers are below four in the last 24 months, four to nine for like a, if we just very easily described, it was like a tier three, less than four, tier two, four to nine or five to nine, and then a, a 10 and up in the last 24 months is kind of like the, yeah. the best type terms that they'll get, is that right? Okay. Yeah, and as you can imagine, we, we're not looking to displace financing that they've already been able to previously arrange. If they have access to a private person that is low rate and you know, low points or no points, that is a really good resource. Uh, most of the time though, private folks, they tap out, meaning they don't have the institutional backing we do, right? We have 100 and roughly $175 million of cash. Most private lenders uh, do not. Uh, they might have 300,000, 500,000, et cetera. Sometimes it's not exclusively carved out for that particular person. Somebody might have a million dollars to lend, but they're, you know, they're um, lending it out to maybe two or three or four people locally, 
right? So if everybody goes to that person simultaneously, that person might get tapped out very fast. Whereas if there's an exclusive relationship, maybe it takes a little bit longer. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed from feedback from our borrowers is when they go to a company like a lending home that's an institutional, institutional hard money lender, let's not run away from that phrase, we allow them to scale at a level that gives them control over their business as opposed to, I've heard it before they have got introduced to us, they've had to either say no to deals or they've had to wholesale deals because they didn't have the financing in place. So they may have made 10 or 15 grand on a wholesale, but they saw, and then all of a sudden at, at the end of four or five or six months, they see the person they wholesale it to made 50, 60 K on a full retail flip, right? So what we're able to do is complement that other financing or funding that they have, maybe it's their own personal funds, maybe it's a line of credit they have on their primary residence, maybe it's a local person they have access to, a family or a friend, et cetera. So we, we become very complementary, right, as it relates to the other sources they have. And at some point, we might become their primary source, right? But then there might be some offshoot of a property. Maybe they have to close in a day. We can't close in a day, right? We'll probably take six or seven days to close a uh, total from, hey, I just went under contract to we're wiring funds. But if somebody really needs to take advantage of something that's immediate, a day or two, you always have to have that immediate source of funds where you can send a quick text, that person texts you back and all of a sudden money lands in your account. Yeah. And by the way, if anybody knows somebody, uh, it's a private money lender that has $175 million, can you just send them to me? I'll help you uh, get, you know, get that money Right but you nailed it. It's, it's really is about scaling. So, um, you know, when I, I did, I never used hard money until I met you and it was like a less than a year ago, probably that we, it was probably about a year ago. So for me, I was, I was big on raising private funds. I raised a couple million dollars, but you're right. Like I was limited by the amount of money that I had. And I remember there were times where I needed $675,000 in two days. And because I had all these deals come up and I just, I had to go figure out how to do it. I figured out how to do it, but I'll tell you, I couldn't do it again and again and again. And right. we, there was a point where you just reached this limit and we wanted to grow and scale and flip 50 houses a year, actually like renovate and resell 50 houses. In order right. to do that, I we sat down and looked and said, this is how much cash we need to have if we're this efficient. And I just went, I just went, oh, that's like 10 times what we have. So now like exactly like you said, we're pretty much exclusively using you guys for our funding, because honestly, for me, the volume that we do, it's not that much different than the rates that I'm paying my current lenders. You know, it, we, we've gotten to the point where the volume discount really is in place. And some of the things that we've done with you guys with our group has been fantastic to get those rates down and, and, and work through it. And some of the things that we're doing coming up is just going to be amazing. So really, you know, even just seeing that difference and not having to worry about if we get a deal that does have to close in five or seven days that I don't have to scramble to put all that money together right away. I, I got to come up right now. I got to come up with 10% down payment effectively yeah. and the closing costs. So, so that's, that's, what's been nice for me. You mentioned speed right then. So let's just quickly talk. So we talked about who it's pretty much anyone. There's just kind of different. It's going to be a one-off. It's everybody's going to be a little bit unique and fit into some bucket. Uh, 
And so we can't really say what your rates are going to be, what your down payments are going to be on this podcast, but it's absolutely something that you guys can help them with going forward. So what about speed? So let's say I'm a new lender, have never worked with you guys before. And I go to you and say, Hey, I want, I got this property. This is the first deal I'd like to run through you guys. How long should I expect that to take? And let's assume maybe two different scenarios. One, I'm really good at getting my paperwork to you very quickly and I dot my I's and cross my T's like no other flipper out there. Or I'm slow getting the paperwork because a lot of times it's our fault as the borrower. Yeah, good question. So to answer kind of a previous question or comment that you made, I mean, the, the, the leverage that we offer is anywhere between 20% down and 10%, right? So that, that basically covers every level of rehabber in the market from I've never done it to I do 100 or more a year. So the less than four is going to be at 20 or 15% down. If they're at four plus uh, over the last 24 months, it's going to be 10% down. And who knows, in a month or two, maybe it'll be 0% down for certain people. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, as it relates to speed, so there's a couple of components that are really tied to how fast a transaction can move when you're using financing that is not private. And what I mean by that is whether it's a local bank, uh, an institutional lender, a local hard money lender, et cetera. So there are two things that most people want to secure is, and especially even as a buyer, you want to make sure that there's going to be clear title when you're buying the property, right? So when you're having a nice conversation with the seller and you agree on a price, you potentially haven't done enough due diligence like your attorney will or your title company representative will in seeing are there issues on title that might prevent the seller from actually selling you the property, whether it's, it's an estate, right? It's in probate. Um, there's multiple sellers. Yes, the person you're speaking to is one of them, but there's multiple people and everybody has to sign and maybe somebody's in Montana and you're buying a property in um, Pensacola, right? So, so those things take some time to do and there might be some um, what's typically called clouds on title. Maybe there's back tax liens and they don't necessarily know the exact amount. They just know when the tax lien was levied, which may have been eight years ago or 10 years ago, et cetera. So cleaning up title or getting clear title can take some time. The other thing is the valuation of the property. Since we're doing fix and flip lending and most of our borrowers are putting some element of rehab into the property, we really don't put a lot of credence on what the property is being purchased for. All of our emphasis is what will it sell for once these renovations are in place. So what we typically do, we have staff appraisers that review the scope of work that the borrower provides. Uh, let's say it's $50,000 worth of rehab and they're doing eight or nine or 10 different things that involve the roof and the carpeting and the paint and maybe some landscaping and maybe the HVAC is blown out and it needs to be replaced. So what we can easily do is we can go into MLS, which we have access to, and other public records tools, and we can see what similarly renovated homes in the area are selling for. So if our property is a three-bedroom, two-bath, 2,100-square-foot home, a detached home, we can see that it looks like you know, a renovated home in that area is selling for $365,000. And so if somebody is on the program where they have four or more flips, that's the value we fund on and we go forward. So we don't have to run through an interior property inspection. We don't have to wait for an appraiser to uh, inspect the property and um, 
generate an appraisal report. So what we can do is that's where the speed comes into play as it relates to your level of experience. So if somebody has funded less than four flips over the last, or has done the less than four flips over the last 24 months, then we would need that appraisal report from that valuator, if you will. And that can run anywhere between, you know, five business days to 12 business days. And so what we're, the reason why we require, I'll call it a pre-funding valuation report is we want that rehabber who doesn't quite have the experience level that some other people have we want them to make sure that they're secure in the value right as much as we are and so a lot of times you know we might oh you guys are slow and doing this this and that i know what i'm going to sell it for well somebody who has lesser experience might not have a true understanding of that market from a or from a resale standpoint i'm not saying that they don't understand their market, but we have 12 staff appraisers who have 20 plus years each of experience that are all licensed and certified. They have a pretty good idea in the 27 markets that we're in uh, of what value is and how to mine that data accurately. I think it's better to tell a borrower that their vision of $375,000 as an exit value is really more like 350 or 340. I'd rather tell them that before we've advanced funds and they can either say, you know what, I appreciate you telling me that. Um, and then they can take that information, do with it what they will, or maybe they're kind of fuming. How dare you? My market's there. I know my market, et cetera. Great. We might not be a good resource for you right on that. So if you feel that another lender can go down that path and generate 375 from an ARV standpoint, and you can realize that that's great, but at least you'll know before we've advanced funds, as opposed to us calling after the fact and then saying, yeah, we kind of had a feeling 375 wasn't likely, but you're the borrower, right? So I think we have to take some ownership um, as it relates to owning that because that first flip is going to become the second, going to become the fourth, going to become the ninth. And we, we feel that we have to be a part of that success, even if it might be telling somebody something that they might not want to hear early. Yeah. So if I, I totally agree, I actually, uh, you can probably see me looking over and I'm writing stuff down too, to make sure that I, I hit it. So you, I don't think, hopefully you guys all picked up on that. There's a couple things in there that Ray mentioned that are huge benefits for you as a flipper. So if you've done less than four, so it sounds like if you've done four or more, so four, four to nine is the bucket, right? So four yeah. to nine, no in no inspection and no appraisal. It's like a desktop appraisal effectively that you guys do. You guys run the numbers and come up with the, the valuation. So, so that is, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys heard that, like picked up on that, that an internal valuation can speed things up unbelievably for, for that type of lending uh, profile. What, what I see, so look, I'm, we do about 75 to 80% of what we do is wholesale. And I've worked with a lot of people who have used other hard money lenders and lots of different hard money lenders. I actually say no to a lot of them now. We've just had such problems with them funding the deals or on the day of closing them saying, sorry, we can't do it. Or, hey, the appraisal came back and it's not where it needed to be for this. All of these things. Like I, I am not confident in, I don't know, 80 or 90% of the people that have come across the desk. So now it's like, if I got, if I got an offer on a contract that's a hard money loan that, from a lender I don't know, or it's cash and there's a couple thousand dollars difference and the cash is a little bit lower, we might be taking that cash deal. 
over the over the hard money deal just because of the experiences that I've had from some of these lenders and some of the things that go on. So I hope you guys like can kind of hear that those kind of benefits. So like just pulling the benefits is, it, you know, you've got this leverage, you've got the speed that they can do. You can leverage more money, obviously, you can do more deals. And then the valuation, like actually, if you're under four, it's checking up on you. Like people miss that. It's the fact that this hard money lender is another checkbox for you to have another look at the property and give you another set of eyes on it. You, when, when I got started, I remember, I, I honestly, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I did not know what I was doing. And having another ex, like highly experienced kind of mentor guide, people who do this all the time in the area, look at you and say, hey, this, this property is probably not worth what you think it's worth. Take, a, take another look. Here's what we have. And really just instead of getting all pissed off about it, like Ray said, some people just get really frustrated. It's like, sometimes you put your blinders on in this business. You see what you want to see, not what's really in front of you. And that's really powerful, I think. So that's just another benefit that a lot of people don't even think about when using a hard money lender or even a private money lender that's really experienced in the area or a local hard money lender. This is really good to get another set of eyes. And that's what we see in the mastermind groups. Like we're just helping each other out. We're not all local, but that's what we do in our businesses. We try to figure out how to leverage other people's mistakes and share our mistakes so we don't make the same thing again. So um, you mentioned the uh, pro properties kind of like we you'll say no to or valuation. Is there anything that you won't lend on, like anything specific, like very rural properties? Or is there something, basically I'm, I'm thinking I'm a flipper. I want to send something to lending home. Like I kind of want to know what I can send and what I can't send before I walk into the house or on the appointment potentially. Yeah, that's probably one of the greatest points to bring up is one of the things that of why people are resistant to use anybody other than their own cash or private lenders is the inconsistency, right? By which lenders um, provide financing. Wow. Last month I sent you a deal here and now this month you're not doing it and it's, you know, a mile away or you gave me 10% uh, down on that one. You're giving me 20% down on this one. You know, I've heard somebody call it like you know, the, the redlining that banks do. Right. And so, you know, there are certain lenders, whether it's private, or banking that actually like certain areas of a metro area or an MSA um, versus others. Whereas I try to tell people, lending home is in, approved in the state. We're approved in Tennessee. We're approved in North Carolina, Florida, Texas. I'm, I'm obviously not going to list all 27. Um, but which allows people to expand their market just outside of metro areas, right? And so if it's going to be something that's outside of the metro area, I, I got a call last week from a gentleman just outside of Dallas. He goes, man, I found an area that is just up and coming. How are you guys going to look at this? And we went through school district population, um, recent sales, et cetera. We found that we don't have any issue there, right? It was, I think it was 20 miles uh, northeast of Dallas. So we're good to go on that. And all of a sudden, as you know, finding those pockets where nobody's at, that, that's, that's the goal mine, right? So less competition, uh, et cetera. Um, but as, as it, um, you know, relates from a property standpoint, so we only finance one to four unit residential properties. And so what does that not include? Commercial. And commercial is multifamily, which is five plus units. Uh, what, it's mixed use. So you have that converted single family home that is a dentist's office or it's an attorney office or it's a salon. Unfortunately, we can't finance that even though when you're walking down the street, 
looks looks exactly like a single family residence. And that is not unique to a particular state. We have that here, you know, in California. I've seen that all throughout my travels throughout the US. Um, we don't, on an exception basis, and I, I say this for the for the folks that have that 10 plus flips uh, under their belt, we, 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 can, we can do rural properties. Um, outside of that, we really don't. Um, we don't do modular. We don't do manufactured homes. I think we're trying to wrap our arms around the manufactured home piece because I think it's a, um, uh, a very popular vehicle um, outside of California. And since that's 26 other states that we're uh, approved to do business in, I think opportunistically sometime this year, I think that will be something that we will do. So it's basically residential one to four units. Uh, I'd say 89% of our business is single family residences. Um, the other larger percentage is probably planned unit developments or PUDs. Mm -hmm. uh, we do a, a, a small amount of condos and then an even smaller amount of two to four units because most of the time, since we're a fix and flip lender, most people are selling properties. People tend to buy two to four units to hold from a rental standpoint. And since we don't have that rental product yet, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we don't do um, a, a fair amount of that. Plus, I think the buyer pool for two to four units is a bit lower than it is for single family residences in general. Okay. Yeah, I agree. You, you mentioned the 27 states. Uh, so where can where can everybody see those 27 states? You're not going to list them here on the, uh, from memory, but yeah, where can they go lending, to look? Yeah, Lendinghome.com should, lend, should list out all of those 27 states. Uh, if they don't find that uh, Ray at Lendinghome, they can certainly send me an email. Uh, I don't mind if my email gets blown up, um, especially for a quick question like that, because if, if somebody's in a state that we can service or are currently approved in, I, I at least want to engage with them in a conversation um, that um, allows us to either now or sometime in the future, maybe be a resource for them or maybe direct them to someone locally uh, that I've come across, you know, from a lending standpoint, that might be maybe better now for them than what we could be now. Maybe we're a not now, but later lender for them. Uh, I can certainly connect them with um, either private lending sources that I that I have connections to, or even local um, kind of regional companies that might be better uh, for them, depending upon the transaction. Yeah. It's, uh, um, okay. So go to lendinghome.com, check out the states that they're in and yeah. Ray at lendinghome.com is your email. So we'll put it out there now. You guys can, so um, I was going to say, go to lendinghome.com first, see if they're in your state and then send you an email so you don't get blown right. up, but you don't care. I, I, Cause my next question, well, after I was going to say, I really feel bad for that guy in Dallas because now everybody's going to go like 20 miles North and figure <laughs> out where his honey hole is. So hey, if you're in Dallas, you can just forget what you heard. That guy is the only right. guy in town. Um, and the, so are you guys, uh, so the, those 27 states that you're in, obviously you can help them there. If not, uh, it sounds like you said that they can just email you and maybe you have a connection or um, if not, what would you recommend to those uh, flippers that want to do business in those other states? Go find another hard money lender, ask them a lot of the questions that we're talking about right now. Um, look for private money. Um, is there a reason why those states aren't necessarily serviced by hard money, and maybe there's lots of the other big institutional companies that also aren't in those states. Hey, good question. So I, I think what I what I try to pride myself on being is a, a kind of a valuable resource, uh, not just a homer for what lending home can do, and then tell somebody that oh, we we don't do that. So click uh, and hang up on them. Um, I want them to have a successful experience on the project. And if that means we're currently not in that state, but here's one to three resources that are, let me connect you to them, right? Because 
Uh, and it could be somebody that is in a state that we're currently not approved in, great, I'll connect you to either a regional hard money lender, a private person that I know loves that area, um, and hopefully the project gets done, or um, depending upon the area, there are a lot of times where somebody might be in a state and they're stepping outside of it. So if you're in the uh, kind of the, um, what the eastern, southeastern part of North Carolina, then South Carolina might be just five minutes from your house. And so uh, we're approved in both of those, but let's say we weren't approved in South Carolina, but we were approved in North Carolina. And I could easily say, you know what, I have a couple of sources in that particular state that might work out pretty well for you. Uh, or maybe they just don't like our terms in that particular state. Um, again, I'd rather make a connection and have them remember going, oh, that's right, Ray connected me to that particular person and that project got done. In their mind, they might think that Lindingham did the project, but in reality, it was just like the project got done. That's super important because they're going to have another one if that project was successful, right? And so I, I just like being a, a resource to people. Obviously, it's great if Lendingham can be that resource. Most of, the, you know, most of the time we are, some of the times we're not. Yeah. It's like the biggest complaint that I hear from some of our members are like, man, I wish they were in my state. Like they're just not in my state. So uh, for those guys that are probably sitting there, like just ask Ray, like, are you guys working on getting into some of these other states or is this kind of like you, what you do right now, you guys do it really well and you're staying focused there or, and is there a reason why you might not be in those states? I think the biggest reason why we're only in 27 is we look at factors like, you know, being, up until this point, we've been exclusively fix and flip. So one of the things that we were looking for is what are the loan amounts in the particular states, right, that we either are currently in, that might may have drove that. What is the flipping activity in that state? So since we were only a fix and flip lender, we had to default to um, that type of activity. Um, what are the loan amounts so that, you know, we wanna make money, right? We're not, we, we, we do philanthropic work outside of lending home, but we can't just give away the farm on every single deal for the sake of it. And there's a certain loan limit where the money that we have to make per loan will seem excessive in points, right? So we've just, we, we drew a line in the sand at a certain loan amount. And so when you look at all of those factors, we saw that there were several states that just weren't meeting that initial cut. The other factor is you know, we have a compliance team that's that's kind of small, um, and they have to go through all of the legal and regulatory requirements for a lending home to be approved in those states. So it's sometimes it's not a desire uh, to not be in a state. Sometimes it's just a, a bandwidth and a manpower standpoint of actually doing the, the sort of the reconnaissance and the diligence required to get the proper loan documents uploaded, et cetera. Because the last thing that you want us to do is advertise that we can close in a state and then mid-loan go, whoo, uh, we have to pause, right? So for some, maybe some requirement that we were so fast in getting out uh, because of the loan limit. So there are definitely some states that we're uh, looking to be in in the next six to 12 months. Uh, we're in Maryland and Virginia in particular, but we're not currently in, in DC. We will be in DC, I think, in the next 30 to 60 days. So since that was top of mind, I wanted to at least throw it out to your listeners because uh, I know you have listeners that are in that in the DMV, uh, and I always tell people we're, we're not we're not in the D, but we're in the MV, and we're about to be in the D. So, um, so, so those are some things that we're trying to make traction on it. So it has nothing to do with poor performance that we might be seeing from certain uh, reports. Uh, it literally uh, most of it is just 
the bandwidth from a compliance standpoint of getting into those states. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, we, so we have some people who are, it, it, they, I think they may have that little honey hole in that state that doesn't have a huge volume of flipping. It makes total sense. It's just like us. Like I look at all my, when I'm marketing, I'm analyzing a market to where I'm going to go into to wholesale or flip, then I'm going to look at the volume. Like how much of that percentage can I get? How much market share can we gain? How much money can we make? Is it worth it or not? I mean, you guys are a, a business. You're looking at all that stuff. It makes sense. We do the exact same thing in our businesses. So um, one more question before we move on. So we've got the, we've got this flipper that's going into the house to, to make an offer. Should they talk to you guys first or should they get the deal first? Like what's the best way to go with working with a hard money letter? I would say if depending upon the level of experience, so if somebody's really new to it, um, I think having an understanding of their funding source and what that funding source will be comfortable with is important. Uh, because your reputation as the buyer is on the line, right? So I think just like when you're going out to buy a primary residence, most sellers won't consider an offer unless somebody's pre-approved, right? Through a lender or through a bank. And so although we don't issue pre-approval letters for folks that have less than four uh, flips in the last 24 months, we can at least vet with them the requirements that we would walk through. And candidly, I think every lender would do that, right? So if they're local to a market and they find out that, hey, my local guy should have some money, talk to him. If you want to go to a bank because you have a lot of money in First Community Bank in this particular area or that institutional lender, whether it's Lending Home or somewhere else, because of the connection I have to that lender, let me give them a call, right? And so, and it's not necessarily because you, you don't know the property you're going to find, I think it's a lot easier for us to approve you on the profile of the type of property you will find, right? So, hey, I'm, I'm going to be looking in this area, right? This metropolitan area. I'm probably going to be looking at something that's a, I'll, I'll make it the numbers, three bedroom, two bath with this square footage, right? Is this something that you guys typically perform on? I think those are very good steps to take, right? And then when you fast forward to somebody that have ex has experience, we can actually see the track record somebody has for buying and reselling properties in an area and what those profiles are. And at some point, that borrower is just walking in because they're already aligned with a private person, a bank, an institutional lender, et cetera. So they have that history of being told yes, right? And I think that was the biggest struggle that people, when they were escalating or graduating into hard money, for scaling, their private guy said yes because I brought them these deals, right? I had a history with that person, it's yes, yes, yes. Now all of a sudden I'm going into maybe not a different market, but a different area. Um, will this institutional lender, my first time through with them, but I have a history of flipping, will they say yes too? And I think it was very important for us to be consistent on that with somebody who's a, an experienced operator, but we're trying to win their first deal right? The answer is yes. We will say yes to that because it fits the profile of what we do as opposed to we won't do that profile for you. So that was huge as it relates to consistency and messaging. Okay. Yeah. I think that makes sense. So that for the new flipper, I, I totally agree with you. Like don't, don't be 
going into houses, making offers on properties that you don't know how you're going to finance it. Like have an idea of what that looks like. We always talk yeah. about as a flipper, the first couple of things that you look for is you need leads, you need deals, and then you also need financing. You need to figure out where your money's coming from. So always be raising money and always be looking for deals. So that's as a flipper, that's like top of mind as you get going in that business. Uh, those are your two things that you should be focused on other than all the other noise, business cards, all that stuff, like building a company, like figure out how you find leads and how you're going to get deals, go find a deal and then and find the money at the same time. So yep. uh, good deals usually attract money. Um, so yeah, if, uh, sure. if it's not hard money, then, you know, if you can break off a chunk, could do a 50, 50 split, do all these different kinds of ways that you can finance that first deal um, is, is, is what you can do. So if you find a really good deal, that money will, will somehow float over to you too. So, so, um, okay, I think we've got a good idea of what, what this is. So pretty much it's, it's pretty exciting. Anybody can work with you. Um, the rates and terms are great. The speed is good. You guys are going to give people a second look on, on the property and what it looks like and just check their numbers and make sure everything's square and double check it. And, um, and if you're in one of the 27 states, this is a, obviously a great company to work with. My experience real quick, guys, is we about a year ago, maybe a little over a year, brought on my COO about almost two years ago. And we just sat down and said, this is where we want to go. This is where we want to do. Here's where we need some help. And we looked at Lending Home. And at that time, Ray came in, showed me kind of the terms and rates for our volume and our experience. And I was like, wow, running the numbers, there's not much difference here between what we're paying right now to our private money lenders and this at our volume. So we got, I got pre-approved. I got a letter saying, you know, how much and what all the terms were and rates. And it's a sheet that I can look at. And then we just went out. I would submit it online. We got a, um, we got someone to come in and review all of our loans. So the guy came in and he's the person that we sent everything to. He ran through it. They, they work with the title company. They work with my transaction coordinator. They work with uh, getting the title, getting everything closed. We have closed with you guys as fast as title could run title. Like it was, we've had a deal that we had to rush through that the seller absolutely needed to stop foreclosure. We, it was going to auction and we got it done in five days. So I know that this is not the norm and definitely not something that you guys want to pump out, but I absolutely want to give kind of like a testimonial here of how fast, when you start working with someone and you get into a rhythm and we know what we're doing, you guys know what you're doing and we can just run with it. It's just been incredible to see uh, a lot of like, I've worked with banks before. I've worked with other hard money lenders from my wholesaling business. I've worked with private lenders and it's, it's just nice to know that the money's going to come through when we need it to come through. So Granted, for those of you guys who are listening, there's always a lot of documentation and things to sign when you get to like kind of loans and mortgages and stuff like that. So that's a little bit different, but we have a process and a procedure we've built around it. We have a lending coordinator in the company now who handles all of that. It's just really great to see, um, see that stuff go through. So um, I, I'm assuming, depending on where they are, they can reach out to you, get their, uh, you know, get pre-approved with you guys if they're volume flippers like like a lot of us are that are listening and um, go through that process, get their sheet and kind of see their terms and rates and stuff like that, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. If there's any question as it relates to that, you know, it, it might take, you know, six minutes to get to the heart of the matter. Like I said, we only have the three hoops and that is experience level, FICO and reserves. And it's very easy if you're, if you're sort of honest and candid with that information, then you're, it's easy to get to what the terms will be. Um, what I try to emphasize, and I think you have on this call, which is we're way more than just a cost-effective lender. Um, I think we've been a scaling partner for folks. We've been a speed you know, partner for folks. You, you don't write deals where you need to close them in five days all of the time. But because you are already approved and because, to your point, 
you were working with your title company to expedite some things, our infrastructure is built to enable a closing in five days, right? And so because of your level of experience, et cetera. So I don't think that, is that out of the norm? It is because nobody usually needs that. Yep. Right? But our infrastructure and our process flow is built to be that fast. Um, so I think those are the things that are kind of compelling because I think anybody on a deal, whether it's private or institutional, can, you know, somebody's, if you're buying a house and you offer 110 and somebody offers 112, does that mean you're going to lose the house? I, I don't know, right? So it depends on the relationship and the connection that you made with that seller, right? Is there a trust developed or did somebody just go, what's your lowest offer? And I'll go, you know, like uh, price is right, going $1,000 or $2,000 above that. What's that ability, what's that, that buyer's ability to fund on time? Do they have their financing taken care of, et cetera? So do they have the, the depth of a funding partner behind them, right? I'm not saying rates aren't important. I think they're extremely important. Those can be negotiated correctly and even aggressively for folks. But I think having the trust that I can check things online, I have somebody, we're, we're an online lender with a person that actually works with you if you need that person, as opposed to we're online, just go online. And there's a reason why we're so, so inexpensive from a cost standpoint is we don't have any live people that can help you. I mean, my, I, I can't even tell you how many calls I take every single day just on, hey, I need some advocacy on a, on a particular scenario, et cetera, or doing a special project for a borrower, or maybe getting uh, different leverage for a, a group of borrowers, right? That, that makes sense to do that on. So I think it's more than just rates. Um, just because somebody can lowball rates and costs doesn't necessarily mean they can perform. Um, I, I, I feel very proud that, you know, in our space, there's a lot of good lenders. Uh, lending home is one of them. Uh, I actually have a, a bias toward, toward lending home, uh, but there's a lot of good lenders out there that really, um, from a regional standpoint, I think can do a really good job. But I think I, I always suggest that people go get the rate, but go past the rate. If you do not have a conversation past the rate with a lender, then you've missed an opportunity to have a really good connection with a partner. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the whole purpose of this, like bringing you on here today, and it was to dispel kind of the myths and the fears behind hard money lenders and institutional lenders and things like that. Like, just see kind of how it's easy, some of the benefits, some of the process, like how easy it is for us. We just I can upload documents online. We fill out the scope of work. I mean, you guys give us the draft scope of work. We just put our numbers in there, put it up there, and then it starts going. The title company starts talking to them. The documents get sent. The title company manages the majority of the docs and then sends it to us all ready to go. They work with lenders all the time. It's, it's, I guarantee you guys are easier to work with than Wells Fargo and Bank of America. I'll tell you that. So, um, so the whole goal of this was just kind of dispel that um, kind of like stigma behind hard money lenders, like really trying to figure out like, what are they? What do they do? What, what kind of requirements are there? Like you said, what kind of hoops do I have to jump through? I remember when I talked to you for the first time, I'm like, okay, if we're going to work together inside of this group, I've got to make sure that it's really easy for them. They're really like, these people do not like to fill out documents, forms, like requirements, get, you know, have to get pre-approved every single time. And you guys had a product just for us. It was like, perfect for what we needed. And we've, you know, have worked together really well over the past year. And I brought a, I brought a lender in before this with another company that I won't name that 
um, we tried to do the same thing and it just didn't work. Their process wasn't there. Their systems weren't there. Um, it wasn't built out. It wasn't ready. Like it was just a lot of, a lot of promises that didn't kind of deliver uh, for me and everything that we were trying to do. So finding, you know, some people that can work with our clients, that was really important for me. So, and we were continuing to develop some new things going forward together, which I'm really excited about. So um, you came to, just sh shifting gears real quick, you came to Flip Hacking Live last year to check it out. And you guys, uh, uh, what did you think about that event last year? Uh, I, I can tell you that, and I've told this to people, I think I told you, uh, but I told uh, uh, people at that event, outside of that event, et cetera. As you can imagine, in my role, uh, I go to a lot of conferences, uh, a lot of different you know, mastermind groups, et cetera. It was well-organized, well-attended, well-put-together. The value of the speakers, you could go through notepads of, oh, my gosh, I need to do that in my business, and I can see myself doing it on Monday, right? And so, so that was important. I think being able to – it wasn't – just the mastermind leaders who are, they're always at an elevated level to people like yourself and, and others who they just do so much business. I'll never get there. But all of a sudden, when you hear the, the great stories, right, of um, like Arian and um, um, Steve out in, you know, in New Jersey, at least, yeah. you know, uh, it, of them, the, the growth that they went through uh, and then they're touching on the things that they've done in their business. I mean, you want to experience that secret sauce and you want to have it come across without having to be sort of hammered over the hell or, or sold on it. And the amount of sort of transparency of success and transparency of failure, which, hey, can I learn from what you shouldn't have done faster? I think that's probably just as important what comes out of in on stage and in those meetings. Uh, more than any event that I, that I go to. Um, I, I, there, there aren't enough good things that I can say about the event that I went to last year and, and then just the, even the one I went back in February that was um, a bit smaller in, in Pensacola, uh, same thing, same value adds of people leaving there and then you see the success that they, that they have in their business implementing the ideas that were uh, suggested uh, from the participants. It was awesome. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I mean, I remember talking to you at the end of the event, just saying uh, kind of, and really, I'd, I'd see you kind of uh, in, in the between the uh, speakers and stuff like that, just say, how how you doing, Ray? What do you think? Because, you know, I, I wanted the feedback. I wanted to see what you thought. I know that you attend a ton of conferences and a lot of different events and things like that. And I remember at the, I think it was the last day at the very end, I was just like, hey, what do you think? Uh, and you said, I, th I thought this was fantastic and uh, we're going to do more next year. Like I'm, I want to do more with you next year and I can't wait to come back. And you are coming back this year. Um, so Lending Home is actually going to be one of the sponsors of the event. We haven't done sponsorships in the past and this is the first time. And I only picked a couple to help me sponsor the event that I work with. So some people that we work with closely, some people that um, I work with inside of my company and that I know that I can put up on stage or uh, you know put in the room and they're going to deliver value to everybody that's there. And um, so I'm excited to have you and are you guys are bringing some people from your team too to answer any questions yeah. that we have? Yeah, I think in the past I've, I've just attended and it's not meant to have, you know, be captive to everybody but at the end of the day there's your group is so large and that that event is so well attended you know I, 
the feedback that we get from attending conferences is, man, there was there were too few people to answer questions that we had. So you, you notice people come to an area or a booth, and then you can see in their eyes they want to have a question, and then they just they drift, right? And so we wanted to make sure that we had enough coverage, education, if you will, so that when people want to pull us aside, you know, outside of an event, because your event and the information that you or your participants are sharing is number one, the reason why people are going. We know that. Right? We're not trying to hammer people, hey, we're, we're at Lending Home. But at some point, you're, you're going to have to find out from a funding source standpoint, hey, here's my particular scenario. Can you guys help me now or sometime in the future? We want to make sure that we have a sufficient number of people to answer those questions during that, uh, during those three days. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious from just listening to Ray on this podcast. And, and if you're watching the video, kind of just seeing him, it's just, this is just value add, right? It aligns exactly with what we want to do. He's not here selling you on lending home. I'm probably selling you more on lending home than Ray is. And, but he's delivering value and content. And that's what we want to align with. Look at the event at Flip Hacking Live, we're going to show you how to find more houses. We're going to show you how to negotiate better prices. We're going to show you how to build a team. We're going to show you how to scale your business. We're going to show you how to raise private money if you need it. And you might need it for down payments and, and rehab draws and things like that. But we're also going to connect you with the right people. Like, why would I want to show you how to grow and scale your business if we also can't connect you with the right person to help you do it? I mean, it is, it's a great partnership with uh, hard money lenders, with direct mail houses, with all of these people that we can bring into our, our world. World, use the law of scales for us and, and our mastermind group and say, hey, I've got these, if you've got $175 million a month to lend, I might have $25 million of, of money inside my group that is looking for, for, uh, for money every month. So right. it's a perfect fit. So it's a value add. It's absolutely not a, a sale, a sell, like Ray's going like, to require your business or we're going to push you there. Like it's, I, I tell everybody, it's just an open source group. This is, there is going to be a, a hard money lender there, which is fantastic. We're going to show you how to do more deals. Go over and talk to Ray and let's see if he can get them funded for you. And then let's help you grow your business faster together. Like we are stronger and faster and bigger together than we will be on our own. So bringing the right people and making sure that we're associating with the right companies that have the same values as us that want to do the same things. I mean, Ray just said on this podcast, like, don't go into a house and not have your funding in order and tell some seller that you're definitely going to get the job, the deal done for them. It's, it's just not what we teach either. Like figure out what you're going to do. Like have, have a game plan with this business and where you're going. It's, it's just, the ethical side of things, the integrity in this business is so important to us and me personally to make sure that we're doing what we say we can do. And I think with a good partner like this, with a, a hard money lender that I know can perform backed, um, backed with you guys is important. So I'm excited to have you guys. I, I can't wait to see you again. It's been a long time since we've gotten together. And um, I look forward to meeting some of the rest of the team too, because it's all virtual, right? You're an online lender. So we're always just emailing and, and messaging. And I've been on some calls with uh, some of the staff getting prepared for this. So it's really nice to meet some different people inside the organization. And we're trying to do a lot more together. So uh, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. I'm really happy that you guys uh, decided to join us and, and come in. And I know that we're working on some cool stuff that hopefully we can announce there. So um, we are, if you guys want to get a ticket, we have a couple weeks left before the event. Go to fliphackinglive.com. Uh, grab your ticket October 10th through the 12th. It's in San Diego, downtown. We're at the Hilton Bayfront Resort. It's an awesome resort right there in Gaslamp overlooking Coronado. Uh, I can't wait to be in San Diego in October. It's, uh, it's probably going to be starting to get cold here in Nashville, and I'm ready to go over to San Diego and just relax in my hoodie and my shorts and hopefully put my feet in the sand because I'm landlocked here now, which stinks. Yeah. So. 
All right, Ray. Well, hey, thanks for spending time with me. I know you're busy and we went a little bit over, but I think this was all great content for our listeners. So um, thanks for sharing all that stuff. I actually learned some stuff here. Um, I'm going to send out like a scout team to 20 miles north of Dallas to see where we're at. So, uh, all right. Well, hey. Really referring to. <laughs> What's that? I said, if that was the, that was my fictional city. that. I yeah. Knew. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Hey, if you guys want to get a hold of Ray, uh, obviously lendinghome.com, you can check him out. You can take a look at the, their website, but then, uh, Ray at uh, lendinghome.com. You can email him. He's, he's super responsive. I don't know how he'll be after this podcast or after flip Back and live, but, um, I I've never, uh, maybe I, I just assumed that I was giving preferential treatment before this podcast, but it sounds like you're always on calls and responding and you're really good at, um, easy to get a, get a hold of and get in contact with. So um, thanks for coming on today. And everybody uh, go to flippackinglive.com, grab your tickets. If you miss out, somebody else in your area is going to get these secrets and all this stuff and uh, we'll go help them grow and scale their business. So I hope you guys are there. I really want to share yeah, it with you. You don't want that. Nope, you don't. So, all right, guys, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the, on the next one. See ya. Bye, Ray. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the House Flipping HQ podcast with Bill Allen. If you haven't gotten your tickets to Flip Hacking Live to see our guests live on stage sharing all of their systems and secrets, make sure you go to fliphackinglive.com before tickets are sold out. This is an event you can't miss. We'll see you in San Diego.